Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I will be reviewing AW Dynamite that debuted on September 30th, 2020. I know we're already in October, so happy October, happy one-year anniversary to the Square Circle Podcast, and also happy one-year anniversary to AEW for having AEW Dynamite every single week. It has been a blast, and if you guys don't know, go visit my anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast, where I talk about the very first episode that AW Dynamite had, went over the matches, does it hold up to currently right now, and my thoughts on my own podcast, and my own wrestling journey, and my goals of where I want to go to next in the world of professional wrestling, which is quite simple. I'll share it here again. My goal is to work for AEW, to probably be a producer, an agent, a person that helps in the back, behind the scenes, for all these extraordinary talents that may or may not be able to pitch their stories to Tony Khan and get on the card and get enough time for what they need to develop their character with. AEW may have a small team, but it may be time for them to invest in people who want to spend their time with the talent and behind the scenes to help them grow even further and become stars overnight. And I would definitely love to do that. Again, I am Marie Shadows of the Square Circle Podcast, and I'm totally available for putting in that extra work to have them have a voice. That's all it is. I am the one to push them to have a voice. But that's enough of that. You guys can go and listen to that episode directly on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. Let's jump right into AEW Dynamite. AEW Dynamite opens with Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen. Originally, I thought this match was supposed to be on the all out 2020 pay-per-view card, but it really wasn't, which was kind of sad because these guys have an amazing story that they were telling, an amazing build-up, and they work really well together. So the steam heading into All Out, I thought they would have had a match. They didn't have a match. But they opened up AW Dynamite, and once again, I want to thank Tony Khan for liking my tweet over on the Twitter side. You guys can follow me at Maria underscore Shadows. And in that tweet, I mentioned how the opening match is a pay-per-view worthy of a match. It's given on free television. You guys should tune in to TNT every single Wednesday. And also that it was a very great match from start to finish with a lot of story in it and a lot of intensity in it as well. I have in my notes, Ricky Starks tries to do a spear to Darby, but Darby catches him in the guillotine choke. Darby Allen does an armbar to Ricky. There's a suplex on the apron from Darby to Ricky. There's a suicide dive from Darby. Then Brian Cage comes out to the ring to distract Darby Allen and the referee. However, Will Hobbs comes out and attacks Cage, and they both fight to the back. Ricky flings Darby to the floor and then starts taking advantage of Darby Allen. Ricky went for a single Boston Crab. But his lower back gave out, and then he decided to do a back body drop to Darby. So when Darby suplexed him onto the apron, which is the hardest part of the ring, that messed up his lower back. So he doesn't have enough strength in his lower back to do some of the moves that he usually does. 
Ricky does a chop to the back of Darby once Darby kicks out of the pin that Ricky had for him. There's a sunset flip by Darby to Ricky. Darby secures both arms of Ricky Starks in this cool submission that he does. However, Ricky manages to get to the ropes. He's one strong dude. Next up is a combo move where Darby does a stunner to Ricky. However, Ricky turns it around to do a mid-air spear to Darby and tries to cover him, but Darby kicks out. And then to finish it off, Darby does his coffin drop move to Ricky Starks, and that ends the match that they had. Very wonderful. I enjoyed it. It felt very urgent and must have a winner type during that match, which that's why it felt so pay-per-view-esque. And I'm not sure where they're going to go from here. They're going to have a rematch. They probably should. So that way they can continue to have this feud because I don't know what else Ricky Starks can do other than maybe again trying to go for the TNT championship or try to go for tag team championship. But then again, our tag team division in AEW is so packed with wonderful tag teams that I think that wouldn't make any sense. Other than that, Really great match. One of my favorites. Next, Cody Rhodes comes out and he is interviewed by Dasha. Cody Rhodes took a brief hiatus after losing to Brody Lee in about three minutes of his uh, TNT championship title match. And this is why we have Brody Lee as a TNT champion at the moment. So he gets asked the number one question of, will he accept Brody Lee's challenge to have the dog collar match? Cody Rhodes goes into babyface mode and talks about the other champions in the company. And then he says, no, and we're all stunned. And then he comes back and he's like, no, as in no regrets. And then I forgot the other line he says. But he does accept the fact that he will face Brody Lee this week in the dog collar match. Now, after that, all hell breaks loose. After Cody Rhodes accepts Brody Lee's challenge, Brody Lee and the Dark Order come out. Brody Lee and Cody Rhodes are fighting in the ring. Guys come in to try to break them up. The classic routine of what happens. And then Brandy comes out to do a senton. To the Dark Order members and act like she's big and bad. And then Anna Jay comes in to try and attack her. And then the women get in from it. And then the women at the guardrail also get in on it and try to break them up. And then out of nowhere, Nyla Rose comes in and attacks Kylan Kane. And it was just chaos. Chaos on the floor. It felt like a WCW moment where they would usually have this and it didn't make much sense. This segment only made half sense and the other half didn't make sense. In terms of, it made sense that Brody Lee and Cody Rhodes will have a brawl and the guys from the locker room will definitely try to break them up. It's totally understandable. Brody Lee, I'm not sure if it's right to say that he might feel threatened that Cody Rhodes is back and Cody Rhodes is the prince of pro wrestling and you know he's just a Rhodes but his name is very prestigious so him coming back would mean that Brody Lee might be in danger of losing the championship belt 
because sometimes that's how wrestling goes. But to have the women come in and have their own little mini brawl didn't make much sense. I understand that everyone on Twitter complains that there's not enough women on TV or the women don't get enough time and this and that. And sometimes I join in too. But at this moment, I don't understand why it was needed. I don't understand if the other women that were brawling on the outside are not going to be at ringside with Brody Lee and or Cody Rhodes, why was there needed to have a woman brawling on the outside as well? Especially like Nyla was very random to have in that brawl. Nyla should be focused on Sheeta and trying to get back the championship and have Vicky there to guide her. As a manager, your manager needs to guide you to get the gold. This is why Tully Blanchard works so well with FTR. And I'm not sure if Vicky can work with Nyla as well to have the same feel that Tully has with FTR. Like, I don't think Nyla should have been in that little woman's brawl. You had Kylan Kane. She's on Dark. She's not really having a big push on Dynamite. So, you know, she's considered like as an extra. And I forgot who else was brawling in there as well. But like, you know, it just didn't make any sense on that side. The men's side made sense because there is a story going on between Brody Lee and Cody Rhodes. What I would have liked is if it was a little bit more structured in terms of the females that would have helped try to break up Anna J versus Brandy rather than having the whole chaotic scene of all the women brawling for no reason if you're not going to do any storylines picking up from that. Like, for example, Nyla beat up Kylan Kane. Now, is Kylan Kane going to issue the challenge of Nyla, I challenge you to a match because you were hurting the situation and not helping the situation? Like, something like that. Because if you look back on it, Nyla just comes out of nowhere, attacks people. You know, it's supposed to be a brawl of breaking up Anna Jay and Brandy because there's history there. And that makes sense for the Dark Order versus the Rhodes family or the Nightmare family. That makes sense. But like little tiny details like that need to be checked and make sure that things go right when you're telling these guys hey, we're going to do a brawl, you know, you guys need to break them up. And that's like the the thing that wrestlers do in these type of brawls. But that was my only concern for it was that the segment half made sense and it didn't half make sense. That's the best way that I can explain it. It should have been thought out a little bit more and not feel so all over the place and not feel so WCW-esque. After that, we get an FTR interview in the back. Tony Schiavone is interviewing FTR and Tully. And almost halfway through this interview segment, in comes the Yum Bucks to superkick Tony Schiavone. I was not expecting the Yum Bucks to come in and superkick Tony Schiavone and that hurt my heart so bad and I'm like you guys need to stop doing this 
But they're going to be super kicking almost everybody in AEW. FTR was a little shocked too. And then FTR was like, we're right here. You can super kick us and try to get them like that. But that did not work at all. After that, we have the tag team match of SCU versus FTR, which is a championship match. FTR decided to put the AEW World Tag Team Championships on the line in this match. I do not have much notes as in what happened during the match, but Frankie Kazarian is still an underrated wrestler. He is amazing in the ring and... I think that sometimes as fans, we forget how good Frankie Kazarian is. Obviously, he can hold his own. He's been doing this for years, and he gave FTR a run for their money. Combine that with Scorpio Sky, who definitely needs a push, and we all thought that he was going to get the push that he deserves when he fought Cody Rhodes for the TNT Championship. Obviously, and unfortunately, he did not become TNT Champion, but it was a very good impression, and they should definitely start pushing him to the moon. I'm not sure if putting him back in the tag team scene will be a very good thing. It's always an option. He's always willing to do what's best for his team and for AEW. But at the moment, I don't think that SCU needs another tag team title run. I do think they need to branch out on their own to do singles competition just at the moment. The only reason why I do not have my notes like I usually have my notes for any other match is because Hangman Adam Page was on commentary for the first time. So it was a distraction to say the least. So I was paying attention to what Hangman Adam Page was saying on commentary while he was scouting this tag team match and this is very different in terms of how Kenny Omega would scout singles matches. Kenny Omega was scouting Hangman Adam Page's matches, doubting him but then also praising him at the fact that Hangman has changed up his game, Hangman has changed up his look, Hangman has become more defined in physical looks and also that Hangman has won two of his single matches. Hangman is still open to the possibility of tag teaming with Kenny Omega to fix that friendship, that broken relationship that they have. However, on commentary, that's the first time Hangman hears from the team that Kenny Omega is completely done with tag team wrestling. And Kenny Omega does not want to tag team with Hangman Adam Page. And Kenny Omega is focused on singles competition. He's focused on eventually getting that AEW World Heavyweight Championship title any way he sees fit. And I'll explain that in a little bit after I read some of the stuff that Hangman said during commentary. Hangman mentions that he will be a bad friend not to try and salvage the relationship between him and Kenny as a tag team, which that's very noble if you guys want to think about it that way. There is a point in the match where Paul Turner ejects Christopher Daniels on the grounds of FTR being their manipulative self and saying to the referee that Christopher Daniels did something, he interfered, therefore Paul Turner ejects him out. And as Daniels is walking, Hangman yells to him and says, get me another drink. And here I thought that he would just have regular beer and not whiskey, but 
I guess sometimes you go back to your preferred drink, as always. Another quote from Hangman that I have written down is, Everyone is losing their mind. I know how the Young Bucks functions. That was brought up because the Young Bucks are super kicking everybody. It seems like the elite is totally broken up and that no one is talking to each other of how to fix it and mend the pieces back together. In this match of SCU versus FTR, the winners of the match is FTR. FTR retains the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Tully decided to hold Sky's foot, and that is how FTR retains the titles. On commentary, via Excalibur, it was mentioned that, and now for some breaking news, on the commentary desk, Excalibur says that there will be an eight-man singles tournament. The finals of this tournament will take place at Full Gear. That's happening November 7th. And he decided to announce the three competitors that will be in this eight-man singles tournament. The first one is Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is very deserving of this spot. He has worked so hard. He can go in the ring and... He's amazing to watch. The second is Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix is one of those unorthodox professional wrestlers that is all round and a joy to watch in the ring. And the third one is Kenny Omega. I did tweet out that Kenny Omega used his rank in order to get into this tournament. Just remember that this tournament, there's no qualifying matches that happen. So I don't understand how these three wonderful wrestlers got into this tournament. But that's besides the point. As soon as Excalibur mentioned Kenny Omega in this singles tournament, Hangman Adam Page looked like his heart broke. And he had to leave the announced booth to go ask questions and find out what is happening. And... I honestly think that Hangman should definitely be in this singles tournament. He won two straight victories during his singles matches. And that feud just needs to happen. Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page. It needs to be settled. I wonder what will happen on BTE, which is today, because today is Monday. I wonder what will happen on BTE if they're going to be showing any type of backstage incident that did not get shown on the AEW Dynamite programming. I could talk forever and ever about Hangman Anna Page and Kenny Omega and why their feud needs to happen and possible stories that could come up from it and possible roads and possible directions that can make it that much more worthwhile to have your attention for it. Other than that, I believe I forgot to mention the other winners of the matches on AEW Dynamite. Between Ricky Starks and Darby Allin, Darby Allin won that one. After the tag team match, we get Isaiah from Private Party versus Jericho. This was a very interesting match. Private Party has been gaining a new aggression ever since... Matt Hardy has been teaming with them and guiding them. There was one point where Jake Hager got in and interfered and 
helped out Jericho and attacked Isaiah Cassidy. And Isaiah Cassidy was selling his lower back. I did not want to use the word selling. But his lower back was hurt, but he managed to still give Jericho a run for his money. And, of course, Jericho made him look like a million bucks. And Isaiah made Jericho look like a million bucks. However, in the end, Jericho wins with a devastating Judas Effect finisher. After that, we get Orange Cassidy versus Preston, who's number 10 of the Dark Order. This was a very fun, comedic match. Nothing too serious about it. The only notes that I have is a delayed vertical suplex from number 10 to Cassidy. Cassidy kicking out at 1, which I thought that was pretty interesting throughout this whole entire match, where Orange Cassidy would kick out at 1. Orange Cassidy does the orange punch and then the beach break plunge, which you guys might have to correct me on his finisher. And if you guys do want to correct me on his finisher, please leave a voice message via anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast so I can get these guys' finishers as correct as possible. And be polite about it, please. Thank you. Orange Cassidy picks up the victory in this match against. Preston of the Dark Order. The cool thing about this match is that the Dark Order makes fun of almost everything. So Preston was on the outside of the ring and in comes number five, which is Alan Angels and John Silver, who's number three. And they do the best friends. You got to give the people what they want. Hug. And that was gold. After that, We get a mini little segment where MJF and Wardlow go into the dressing room of the Inner Circle and presents them with Inner Circle jackets. Sammy Guevara does not get an Inner Circle jacket and he's upset about this. However, why do we need this segment? I feel like after MJF lost to John Moxley, he lost some steam along the way and now he's just there. I don't understand. This seems like a reoccurring thing when it comes to AEW where after big high-profile matches, everyone takes sort of a backseat to sort of catch their breath and try to realign what their characters should do and who they should go after and what they should accomplish. But MJF should still be in the running to try to get the title shot even if like he's not in the rankings anymore but he should still be in the rankings it's just that that time that was spent with Jericho I don't know if he's going to start a new program with Jericho where it's MJF versus Jericho and eventually hopefully Wardlow interferes and we get the Wardlow versus MJF feud I don't know if he's trying to build towards that if he is I'm already uninterested. And that's just me not caring enough. I cared when he fought Moxley to try to take the belt off him. And if they would have gave MJF the belt, the amount of stories and the amount of him being an asshole would have just blossomed even more. And then you have to build up a champion that will be able to take it from him. 
I honestly don't think that we needed this segment. It ran too long. We could have at least replaced that with a second women's match on the card. We did get one women's match, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but we could have put something different there. We could have put a vignette of our AEW women's champion, Hikaru Shida. Shida was nowhere on the card at all. She wasn't even in the crowd. She didn't go and do the women breakup during the brawl between Cody Rhodes and Brody Lee. She wasn't there. Cody Rhodes mentioned her and said that she's one of the best champions in the company, but she wasn't there to interact with the other wrestlers and to have her time on TV. Like she could have came in with her candlestick or whatever the case may be, but that little segment could have been used for a vignette of Hikaru Shida to remind the fans that she's currently training to either have a match with Nyla, a match with Thunder Rosa again, or with somebody new. Like, why can't we get these little vignettes of her training or vignettes that she feels comfortable to give to the company and put out? I understand that sometimes it may be daunting and, you know, it's a little bit different in American style than it is in Japanese culture, but we still need to see our champion there. If Brody Lee can show up to work with the championship, if Brian Cage can show up to work with the FTW championship, if John Moxley shows up with the AEW championship and FTR showing up with the AEW World Tag Team Championships, she can show up too with the title. Why is it that hard to have her on the cards or have her do something? This is why I'm so adamant about pushing the women that don't have the right voice or think that it might be out of line to want to be there and want to showcase the championship, even if it's not in a match. You know, you could do pre-tapes of vignettes of her training, of her doing her other hobbies and trying to get into the mindset of this is what it takes to be a champion and, you know, I always have a target on my back or whatever to do. I'm not currently there to direct something and get inspired to put her message forth as to why she is the person carrying the title, carrying the company, and why the other women in their locker room should work 10 times harder than her to dethrone her. It needs to be like a cat and mouse game. You want to dethrone the best person there on the roster. So therefore, you have to train 10 times harder than the champion in order to find the weakness and eventually you become champion as well, if that makes any sense. But going back to this little segment, this MJF and Chris Jericho thing, I don't know where it's going to go. I love Jericho. I enjoy what MJF is doing, but we need to focus on building the women much more than trying to build the men as well. When MJF and Chris Jericho are just going to go around in what sometimes I feel can be kitty banter that could be that could be done better. It really is kitty banter and I'm like guys a little bit more maturity. Just a little bit more. 
Aside from that, this is where I'm going to be talking about the only women's match on the card. It is the returning Britt Baker DMD versus Red Velvet. Red Velvet is a very nice addition to AEW. She could always be in a tag team with Brandy Rhodes. They could be the new twin magic, which sometimes I don't like using that term, but it works. She works with the atmosphere and the aesthetic of AEW, and I hope that one day that they do sign her because she has a lot of potential with certain storylines that I could see her in. I could definitely see her in feuding with Brandy for a little bit because both of them look similar. They both look like they're into makeup and looking pretty while also still being a threat in the ring. They could have a feud of... She wants to join in on the Nightmare family, think that they need a little bit more muscle to it, and Brandy is totally against it, the same way that she was totally against Allie, but then now Allie is in this, yeah, that could be that, where Red Velvet could transition into the Nightmare family, and then we could get the possibility of eventually Brandy and Red Velvet teaming up as a tag team. And then we could start with the women's tag team division. However, before we do any women's tag team divisions, again, we need to work on our singles women first. When you get the foundation for having a single women's division, then you can focus on the tag team division. If AEW wants to play their cards right, they need to have multiple vignettes of all these women remind the public why we should cheer for them why we should boo for them why we should like them what hobbies they have what motivations they have for being a professional wrestler what motivations they have for their character what is their character if these women can't tell you their character within at least the maximum of two minutes then that means they have to go back to the drawing board it's the same way of you going up to a writer and asking them what their book is about. Without picking up the book and reading the blurb on the back of the book, the author of the book does not write that blurb on the back of that book that you read at Barnes & Nobles or that you read on Amazon.com. There are teams in the publishing business when you publish traditionally, they write those blurbs. So that person read your whole book, it took the synopsis out from that whole entire book that they read and put it as a blurb to attract you to buy that book. It's the same way of what wrestlers should be doing. Wrestlers should be practicing how to tell you, the fan, what their character is and what they plan to do, their goals, their motivations, and what brought them here to professional wrestling. For example, we're going to use my client, J.D. Alpha. J.D. Alpha has been a professional wrestler for the past 10 years. He has never played WWF No Mercy, but that does not matter. He does not think it's serious, but it is quite serious, ladies and gentlemen, in the wrestling community. He doesn't think it's serious because his Spanish fly is on point and his Spanish fly will put you in that Hall of Fame and you will be there for the ends of time. I made that up on the top of my head. I don't know how smooth that's going to get over. However, that's his character. 
JD Alpha is the professional wrestler who can high fly it to anywhere in the world where he wants to go and where he wants to take you and definitely where he plans to do the Spanish fly. It's all about telling a story about your character and who you are and why people should either boo you or cheer you. MJF does a very great deal with his character and why we all boo him, but eventually we're all going to like him. It's the same way when it comes to women characters. Women, when you guys think of your characters, think of it like a character sheet where you probably back in the day in school where they tell you to fill out a character sheet and start writing a story about something like you got to know what your character is about, the limitations your character might face, and how you're going to overcome those limitations. For example, the same way that I pictured Red Velvet to be in possible storylines, which none are confirmed by AEW, but this is me fantasy booking. The way that I described how she can try to fit into the Nightmare family how she can feud with Brandy, and how she could be an asset to the aesthetic that is AEW. I did all that because Red Velvet is very confident in her ability. Every time she comes out and whenever she gets introduced, you know that Red Velvet is going to be interesting to watch. She already has an interesting background, and she's the only one that comes out that has the announcer Justin Roberts say, from your mama's kitchen. I've never heard of that. I didn't like it in the beginning, but it's very unique and it has grown on me. And that is what sets her apart from every other woman that AEW has and any other woman that's competing in professional wrestling. So that sets her apart and she's confident in that. The same thing with Britt Baker. I am still so happy that they made Britt Baker heal because her being heal works and her being a dentist, which she actually is, is the best thing for her. And that is why I like watching her and then her personality explodes whenever she has Reba, whenever she does her role model vignettes, which I miss. Those things are very simple. AEW has a very lax schedule and these guys are able to do whatever they want outside of professional wrestling. But if you still want to have the same passion and not have that passion die or dwindle, then you do those vignettes, send it off to AEW. They can utilize Twitch. They can utilize YouTube. They can utilize BTE and all that kind of stuff. Like These are the ideas that I come up with that can definitely help AEW achieve the goals that they want to. All they need to do is just reach out to me via DMs. And for anyone listening here, just make sure you share this episode. Make sure you share this episode so that way I can at least know that someone out there is listening to me with all of these ideas and how to improve your character and just all around helping. All right, so in this match, Britt Baker has the arm control. Red Velvet does a combination of a leg lariat bulldog to Britt Baker, which looks really, really nice. Red Velvet also does a close clothesline to Britt. There is the butterfly suplex to Velvet from Britt. The sling blade by Britt Baker looked really smooth. 
in the past, whenever Britt would do the sling blade move, it looked a little sloppy. But this was on point and super smooth. Britt Baker did the swinging fisherman's neck breaker and then a version of the curb stomp. And that allowed Britt Baker to pick up the victory. And after the match, Britt Baker decides to do the lockjaw on Red Velvet. Britt Baker has come back full force from her injury and... She looked great in the ring. She looked like there wasn't no ring rust. She looked a lot more confident in the ring, which, by the way, when it comes to women's wrestling, I want to see these women hit with confidence, do their moves with confidence, and just be comfortable in the ring. If you're not comfortable that day that you have to perform, maybe try to do something where it could be altered and it won't be a match. Or you know, get into the mindset of being comfortable. The moment that you are not comfortable, the easier it is for you to get injuries. And that is something that should not happen as frequently in this business. So this goes for everybody, male, female. If you are not confident enough to be in the ring that day, make sure you tell somebody because the last thing you want is to injure yourself and to injure your opponent. After that, we get our main event, which is The Butcher taking on John Moxley. This was handpicked by Eddie Kingston. In my previous podcast episodes, I praised John Moxley for adapting to any style that is thrown at him. This, was, this is what makes anyone a very good champion when you are able to adapt to any type of style thrown at you. The Butcher was working the knee of John Moxley. There is a top rope suplex to Butcher from Moxley. Butcher with another submission on Moxley's bad knee. Then there is the jumping power driver to Butcher that Moxley does. And Moxley finishes up with a paradigm shift and the bulldog choke to pick up the victory. That is the ending of AEW Dynamite. That is the end of my review. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this review of the Square Circle Podcast, please make sure to show it some love. This will be up over on the Anchor side and also on the Patreon side. I am revamping the Patreon side to include more fun stuff that may not always be professional wrestling. So hear me out. You guys would definitely get some streams from me. Yes, I do game. And if you guys want to support the streaming side of the Square Circle Podcast. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash rookie SCP for more information. If you want to continue to just support the podcast, you could definitely do it on the Patreon side and also on anchor.fm forward slash Square Circle Podcast. Again, thank you guys for listening to this review. Make sure to share it on social media. Make sure AEW gets to hear all of my ideas and how to help these women and how to push AEW to the moon for the next three years now we're gonna have them anyway AEW is amazing it's one of my favorite companies to ever talk about because it is the alternative if you guys don't agree that's totally fine I love that you're listening to this podcast anyway and I will see you guys on the next one